All right. Welcome to the Monday Minutes. Uh, if you guys are newer to the podcast, we haven't done one of these in a while, but typically on Mondays, we do a shorter, more informal episode with myself and Steve, most of the time answering some listener questions. Uh, sometimes we have guests on today. Jake, you're joining us. How's it going, man? Doing great. I would like to correct yourself. I, we talked yesterday. I'm no longer a guest. I'm a co-co-host. A so, co-co-host. Yep. Yep. One third of the podcast. Self-promotion there? Yeah. Well, <laughs> self-correction. I mean, we definitely do get, you know, some requests to have Jakey back. So I think you're, just, you're giving the people what they want, man. Right. Two requests doesn't amount for much. But <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, now that you're you're chatty, go ahead and tell me or tell the listeners and Steve what you told me yesterday about your prior podcast experience and you going back to look at some things. Like, oh, oh, are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so um, I recently was looking at the podcast numbers and everything just because I migrate our podcast from SoundCloud to the website. Anyways, in typical fashion, I wanted to look at how many views I got compared to my coworkers podcast, Pat, because we did our little, (laughs) (laughs) we did a little behind the scenes with Jake and behind the scenes with Pat. And I was like, I wonder who got more listens. And so anyways, I collected the data and I got a hundred more listens than Pat. So I think after (laughs) saying this now, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot and everybody's going to go listen to Pat's podcast and just boost his numbers up. But anyways, yeah. Thanks for everybody. All the 11 and a half thousand listeners on SoundCloud. I appreciate you all. I'm going to send you guys all stickers. (laughs) Oh man. Jake, you're funny. Well, we're, yeah, we, as I mentioned, we haven't done a Monday Minute in a while. The last couple of weeks, we had our roundtable series, which we ran episodes Monday through Friday, and then this past week running the Elk Week series. So once again, episodes releasing Monday through Friday, and uh, a lot of podcast content out there. So thank you guys for tuning in. Hope that both the roundtable and Elk Week uh, give you guys some inspiration and some information for your hunts, which are coming up awfully dang quick. So We'll keep more podcasts coming, but that's kind of a wrap on those series. Uh, speaking of Elk Week, though, today is when the video launches over at the Born and Raised Outdoors YouTube channel. So we'll have a link in the show description for this episode to their channel. And if you're listening to this as it's released on August 16th, uh, this afternoon, this evening, I think they do 4 p.m. Pacific, if I'm not mistaken. The video of Elk Week is going to be released. It's going to have... The content from the podcast, obviously you're watching us discuss it at that point. It's a video, but it also has some supplemental footage. They're working in like video examples of the concepts we were talking about in Elk Week. There's going to be some giveaways that you can only enter by going and checking out that video, including an EXO pack. So once again, that's happening the 16th uh, this evening as this podcast is released. And there'll be a link in the show description to their channel. So you can go check that out. Um, yeah, to, we'll get into listener questions, but just kind of curious first, Steve, what's been going on the last couple of weeks with you and sheep honey, man, like, where's your head at? Oh yeah. Gearing up for the sheep. Um, just really going through my gear. Um, the, uh, I've kind of got the areas picked out that I want to go to. So I've just been talking to guys who are knowledgeable in sheep hunting about sheep behavior, right? Like learning, what to expect uh, if, you know, if I get caught like moving, right. Or uh, how to approach sheep, like how, 
skittish are they going to be? How how careful do I have to be of wind? Um, so just kind of learning how to hunt the animals, right? I, I've got the locations figured out and now it's their behavior. And then also scoring, you know, if it's pretty well known, I'm not a big uh, score guy when it comes to hunting like elk, but with the sheep, but definitely like, you know, once in a lifetime tag in Idaho, I don't want to just shoot a small ram thinking it's big or, or whatever. So I've been looking, just doing a lot of research, looking at photos and uh, talking to guys about characteristics of big sheep and just trying to, you know, I, I unfortunately haven't had time to put, put them in the glass. Right. So, um, the, uh, the biggest thing I've learned is you really need to see a group of sheep to like, to identify which one is the big one. Like if, if it's a solo sheep, uh, just about everyone says that's pretty dangerous because you're, it's pretty easy for that sheep to look big. Um, but you really need to put them into, you know, you've got five or six rams there. You can look at body sizes and things like that and start doing some comparisons and then, and it helps you score them a lot easier. Yeah. Is that a situation where they're kind of expected to be in groups earlier and spread out later, um, you know, throughout your hunt or is there any thought to that? Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I think they're kind of together the vast majority of the time. Um, there's definitely a sounds like, you know, depending on weather late September between late September and October 15th, they are going to start kind of traveling um, down towards the river, down towards kind of rutting grounds, right. Where there's going to be more lambs in use. Um, and so I don't know if they, you know, if a big ram kind of breaks off from the, the group, but I don't, I don't think so. I think they kind of stick together and, and they'll, they'll kind of travel, you know, that band of rams will travel down together, down to the rutting grounds. Um, and I think they're kind of in general, always around each other. Yeah. Cool. Jake, for you, I know that uh, you guys are even just saying you're shooting the bows last night. You're getting ready. And then you have a antelope hunt coming soon. Is that your brother's tag? No, this is uh, mine and my father's tag. We put in as a party for elk, antelope, and deer. We were able to pull an antelope tag together. So uh, season starts three days from now. So we're going to get out for a day hunt on Sunday. And then I've got Thursday, Friday taken off next week. And um, we're going to go chase antelope with the bows. Yeah. Um yeah, a lot of fun hunts. Steve, are we are we going to see you at all this September for that sheep hunt? <laughs> mm, you mean in the office? Yeah, yeah. yeah I hope I hope not. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of the plan, right? Yeah. Right on. Uh, you so every day. <laughs> you do you do your job, man. Then I don't have to come in. <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah. Here at the office, we we have our calendar all set out. And it's so funny. Every every week, one guy is going to be out, but we just know Steve's just going to be out all September. Yeah. <laughs> so I kill that sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, people will be sheep hunting. The rest of us are like, all right, I'm taking off this day. You're out this week, and we're playing the whole shuffle schedule for sure. It's working really good, though. It's definitely the smoothest. I, I, it's, it's great. Yeah. Everything's rolling nice and easy. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for listeners or people who may be unfamiliar, just like I, this year, this summer has been uh, unlike any other for EXO, right? Like, things have been going so smooth thanks to you jake thanks to guys like pat and it's it's been nice because normally this time of year we're all incredibly stressed and things still have been incredibly busy but we're just in a better position to to manage that so um typically this time of year unfortunately in years past we've definitely been in situations where things are on back order and we're trying to rush stuff and get guys set up before opening day but if guys happen to still be interested in getting geared up at all everything's essentially just shipping within 24 hours during the week so um if anybody's you know putting things off or still considering picking something up we can definitely get it to you for uh opening day and make that happen quick so 
diving into listener questions. Um, Steve, you mentioned, I don't know what episode it was about using your VA5 tripod and how you changed out the arm with like a small car- carbon fiber arm to lighten mm-hmm. things up. Um, and I think we just kind of mentioned that in passing, didn't give much detail. And we had multiple, multiple people reach out to want to know <laughs> exactly what you did or if that's something they can buy or like you just built it or what's the story. Oh there? man. Um, yeah, I changed out the, it, it started with a fat, I had a fat, like target aluminum arrow. Um, and that was years ago. And I just cut one of those, you know, on my arrow saw. And then it was okay. And then I just started, I think I bought a chunk of carbon on Amazon, man. But it was like, it was something I bought 10 years ago. And then I happened to have another piece of scrap when I switched over that VA5 head. I don't know how many years ago, three, four, five years ago. And and then just swapped it out. And it's not like, it's not nothing you'd ever like sell or whatever. Like I got like put it in there and then put duct tape on the other side, but it's, <laughs> it's always held up and works just fine. And just saves, you pull that aluminum handle off and it's, it's kind of heavy, man. I want to say between three and four ounces just in that handle um, to really give up nothing and put that carbon in there. It saves a bunch of weight. So, uh, yeah, I would just, um, man, I've got some calipers at the office. I can, if you want to put it in the show notes for this, Mark, will uh, just remind me. I'll take a measurement of what the outside diameter of that is, and it'd be something like uh, 12 millimeters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could put that in the show notes and then just someone jump on Amazon and search for like 12 millimeter carbon fiber tube and order a 12 inch piece of it and you'd be good to go. Yeah. Uh, cool. I also swapped out the center post on my tripod with a carbon fiber one, but that's definitely more, um, that took a little bit more work and a little, it's a little bit more hokey that I don't know if I'd recommend it to anybody. So, um, yeah. Nice. You, uh, recently were testing and I honestly just, I think yesterday saw kind of a pre-release of, uh, or a pre-order of a new ultralight pan head from wiser precision. Uh, mm-hmm. listeners of the podcast may have heard us talk about their quick sticks quite a bit, which, uh, we've used a ton to turn trekking poles into shooting sticks, um, from wiser precision, but, I know for a while they've been working on this pan head. You got to see it just a little bit. It's, you know, it's a specific solution for guys who are really trying to save weight and bulk, but you want to just chat about it super quick since you got to check it out. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't done anything, but just glass off my back patio up on the hill. Um, It wasn't, uh, it's not a VA five when it comes to the big glass, but with like, if you've got a small spline scope, so that 55 millimeter class, um, probably some of the lighter 65s and then any you know if you're a guy putting binos on the tripod uh is at plenty adequately smooth and super super light that that their head on that uh, slick 624 i've got where i swapped out the center post i was coming out at like one pound 14 ounces I slept it on the scale like crazy freaking light for a, a legit setup right um but that again i put for my sheep hunt, I'll be packing most likely a Kawa 77. Uh, and I put that scope on the, their head and it'll handle it for the kind of what I call like point and shoot glassing, right? Like, mm-hmm. all right, there's, there's a Ram in the, in my binos, get the spine scope on it, zoom in on it. Totally adequate for that. If you want to spend like hours behind the, the spine scope, picking apart a hillside and glassing, then it's, it's still smooth ish, but it's not it doesn't quite handle the, the weight of that scope, especially when you start talking about, you know, when everything's level, it's fine. But if you're glassing really steep up or really steep down, it's just a little bit more finicky. 
Um, but yeah, overall, it's a for the weight, like you know, pound for pound, the thing packs a heck of a punch. Uh, and definitely, like if I'm just if I'm taking a a big spine scope, small scope, and binos, it's a awesome solution. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's a specific use case. Obviously, if yeah. you're already packing big heavy optics, you know, yeah, you could still be trying to shave ounces, but you're already packing a fair amount of weight. So right. you, know, you want a head to support it. But as you said, if you're packing that small spotter, you're only using binos because you truly are shaving ounces. It, it looks like a good option to consider. So again, it's yeah. just releasing. I don't think they're shipping sure. until early September, but uh, if you guys happen to want to check it out, we'll go ahead and leave a link in the show description for that as well. Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll plan to do like a much more detailed review as I get some field experience with it. You know, sometimes, um, pan heads feel great when it's hot and sunny outside and you get out there and it's 10 degrees in the morning and the, the fluid, the oils inside get all sticky and things change or maybe they don't change, you know, so I'll definitely uh, provide more, more review as I get it out there in the field. Cool. Uh, Jake, you got a question for you. Actually, I got two questions for you. <laughs> One's ridiculous and we'll hit it later. The first legitimate question, Jake, this guy wrote in and said, I use the same pack or he said, sorry, do you use the same pack during your summer workouts or do you have a designated training pack that you use for that? My concern is that my XO is going to stink from all of my summer sweat training. It's hot and humid where I live. And currently I use a different pack for training so that I can keep my XO clean and scent free. But I was curious if I could use my XO for training because it's so much more comfortable. And if I did get it sweaty and stinky, can you just wash it before season starts? So what are your thoughts on washing packs, Jake? You deal with not only training, but like customers and, you know, guys who send stuff in for repair that needs to be clean. So you definitely have some experience there. Would you say to this guy? Yeah. I mean, um, definitely. I would, I would obviously just train with, you know, the pack that feels the most comfortable, um, you know, and so if you do end up getting it a little stinky, I mean, it's super easy to just, you know, give it a good wash. Um, yeah. I mean, you and I tell guys it's super easy to wash it, give it a rinse, soak it, um, add some scent free detergent and then, you know, hand, hand wash any spots that, you know, might need it, you know, especially, you know, after packing some things out, um, you can definitely do so, but, um, you know, after the soak, just give it a rinse and let it air dry. So it's a super quick process. So I'd say get used to the, you know, gear that you plan on using throughout the season, uh, rather than, you know, something that you're not super fond of, um, but you just don't want to stink up the other one. So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you use a light detergent, that stink will definitely go away and then you're going to be used to the gear and ready for the season. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want you to not use your XO if you find it more comfortable. Uh, exactly. good that you do, but you want to, you want to like take it to the, a lot of guys on like the first defense or, uh, self-defense world will say like train how you fight right mm-hmm. you want to use the gear for training and hunting that you're going to be using on your hunt and so when it comes to things like a pack the more time you spend with that pack the better you're going to have a feel for it you're going to be able to fine-tune it you're going to be able to play with loading it different ways or adjusting it different ways and really make it feel like it's just a part of you and that comes very naturally as you're using the pack um and obviously this guy said specifically his other pack's not comfortable. So it's like, do you really want to train all summer with a pack that's just frustrating uh, and not comfortable? So yeah, use the XO. It will get stinky and sweaty, 
it's not a big deal. They clean up super easy and um, it's, it's easy to get sent out of them. So um, yeah, I wouldn't hesitate to go that route for sure. Anything to add, Steve? Mm, no, not really. That's um, one thing that I, along those lines, I always recommend guys buying a crib. If they're going to be just training all summer long, you know, like I, I, this time of year, uh, I pretty much uh, have a frame, case, you know, a frame in the in the back of the truck with weight and a crib on it. And that way you are leaving your bag at home and it's not getting extra abuse. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, just have that thing, use it, use the crap out of it, get familiar with it. And then uh, when it comes right before hunting season, yeah, you just wash it down real quick. Yep. Another question came through and I'm just trying to hit stuff. That's super timely for this time of year. Obviously guys wrapping up summer trainings, timely, this question, uh, a guy's traveling from out of state for an elk hunt, and he's just really curious about meat care, not so much in the field, but specifically when you get your meat back to the truck and you have a 24 hour drive home and you also have the potential where you may still be in your hunting area for several days. What do you do with the meat in that situation? Um, so talking about the drive is one thing, and we can touch on that in a minute. But he brought up this point of maybe you kill an elk, it's day three of your hunt. Your buddy has a tag. You guys have seven days to hunt. So you got three or four more days to keep hunting, but you put an elk down on the ground already. And he specifically mentioned getting it to the truck. And I would say maybe you don't take it to the truck. Uh, if you fill a tag on day three, you still have more tags, more hunting to do, more time to do that in. Maybe the best thing you can do is get that meat hung in a nice area in the field and actually leave it there and keep hunting versus packing it all out to the truck. There's not one right answer here. It can be situational dependent based on weather. There's things to think through in, ther uh, in terms of timing and effort and energy. So you have one elk down on day three. What if you guys did kill another elk on day four, five, six, and I have two elk to pack out. You obviously need to make sure that you guys leave yourselves time to get two elk packed out potentially also the energy to do that. So there's many things to think through there. Uh, but my default, if I kill an elk on day three and have more days to hunt, is probably going to be leaning towards keeping that meat in the field. So finding shade, finding a cool Creek draw, something like that, letting it be at those higher elevations, uh, probably what's a higher elevation than the truck. And it's going to be cooler and it's going to stay in the field versus getting it to the truck, dealing with sun, dealing with coolers, dealing with people and all that. So uh, that's one thing in terms of the drive home. Obviously uh, there's different situations here. I, re I remembered when this question came up, I was like, man, I know that we've talked about this like in some context before. And I went back uh, and in episode 254, it was a listener episode. It was a guy who I don't recall where he was from, but he was hunting out West and he was talking about his drive home and what he did with an elk. And there was several things in there uh, that he touched on in terms of how he took care of his elk. And I remember, I was like, oh, that's a good info, right? Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't, don't even remember those all specific tips, but I did go back, found that segment. It's towards the end of that episode. And again, that's episode 254. We'll leave a link in the show description. Uh, and he talked about some of the things he did right, some of the things he did wrong in terms of a multiple day drive home with his elk meat. But, you know, simple things like obviously having your coolers ready, pre-chilled if possible, uh, draining water as needed, adding ice as needed. The other thing I would say, you know, if you know you have a longer hunt, multiple tags to fill, maybe you don't leave in the field, maybe you don't take it to the truck, 
maybe find a place that's uh, proximate to you where you can take meat and hang it. Um, so sometimes that's a processor. Some processors won't want to let you use their freezer space if you're not going to have them process it. So, you know, throw some feelers out there. If that's a situation you want to figure out uh, that you can maybe find some freezer space or cooler space um, from someone in the hunting area. And then maybe it's an hour drive and drop it in town, get back to the mountain, keep hunting. So again, different situations, different things to think about. Um, but definitely go back and check out episode 254. If you want to hear more about that topic, it was a cool hunting story. And then later on, we, we talked about those segments. All right, guys, Jake had a question for you specifically. No joke. This guy emailed and had a question just for Jake. He said, I have to replace my new balance running shoes. Can you tell me what brand I need to buy so that I'm not an old dude? Oh man. Since you said, since you said, dude, it just reminded me, you got to pick up some Hey Dudes. Those shoes are- I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how you describe Hey Dudes. They're like boat shoes. They're just, they're the new thing. They're fashionable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got to give them a try. (laughs) But, so anything and, non-New Balance is going to be good, though, if you don't want to be an old man? It, yeah, basically. I'm pretty sure New Balance only makes one shoe, and it's the white one with the blue N, and that's what you wear. So, yeah, basically anything like right. that, anything other than that, then you won't be a 40-year-old dad. The numbers are getting lower by the minute. It was 50, now it's I know. 40. I know, I caught myself. <laughs> You're stepping on toes here, Jake. <laughs> All right. Inside joke for podcast listeners who have heard Jake rant about us being old and wearing new balance shoes. Um, Steven, actual question for you, by the way, that was a real email that came through. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, Steve, a listener question. He has listened to the podcast, heard you specifically talk about basically pitching camp wherever you have, wherever you need to. Right. So you're hunting Bibby style. You don't have an established camp. You're just going to find a spot, throw up your tent at the end of the night. And you specifically, Steve, have mentioned using things like deer beds or game trails, the importance of a small footprint shelter, being able to set up anywhere. But he was curious, have you ever had issues with that? Meaning if you're, if you set up in areas, beds, trails, et cetera, have you ever basically busted game at night or had issues with game coming essentially into your camp and stomping on you like legitimately he's sounds pretty <laughs> concerned about it uh no no never I, it's funny that we've actually like you know you used to think like the logic for back in the day was uh like one of my our elk base camps was like all right let's get close to the elk but let's stay a mile away so our scent doesn't spook them out in the middle of the night and i i've just never in practice had that happen right like not to any extent where like this specific area once we started bivy hunting it and just sleeping like we would um there'd be elk bugling 100 yards away in the middle of the night and in the morning and and they would like very specifically remember an instance where the bull was just downhill from us 100 yards like the thermals you know it's middle of the night thermals got to be going down to them woke up in the morning and that bull was bugling like 300 yards away (laughs) like they didn't move i've never ran into that scenario i don't know why it doesn't make sense um You'd think they should windy and, and run off, but maybe being in the dark, they're less threatened. I've just never had it be an issue um, to where, you know, it's, it's way more often the case. We like, because we're sleeping where the elk are living, we wake up, 
pack up our stuff quietly, throw out a bugle, and bam, a bull hits you right away that's close. Um, I've just never had that issue happen, man, where it's I felt like we were uh, pushing game out of the country, right? If anything, mm-hmm. you might push more game out of the country with the base camp set up because you're, you're traveling, you know, that couple miles in the dark in and out and leaving more scent in more places. It's just not not been an issue same thing with the fires like people are like oh, i don't, don't have a fire back there if you're afraid of spooking the game and no not at all man we just it just doesn't seem to affect anything i know it's a little counterintuitive but um yeah just all it does is help increase our odds of killing animals and i have not seen a downside to it yet mm. yeah i mean the, and there's things you are doing which seem obvious but if you are baby hunting close to where a game may be yeah wind fires those are concerns things to think through but even things like noise and talking right like you still want to be you don't have to tiptoe around everything and everything be totally silent obviously things like packing up your tent in the morning you know there's going to be some noise factor there but uh situations where you and your buddy are maybe bivy hunting and maybe you're spaced out because there wasn't two spots together you're clearly not like yelling across at him like hey don't forget to blah 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 right like just use common sense and uh yeah i think probably we all tend to maybe overthink it or be too cautious um you know versus just being there using some common sense and and get to hunting right away i mean that's that's honestly part of the beauty of that style of hunting is you're you're literally potentially hunting right up until dark and then soon as you wake up and you're packing up camp which should be quick and efficient like you're in the game there's just yeah. as you said there's not a lot of back and forth time which uh eats up time and energy for sure yep cool. what does that look like for your sheep hunt steve going into that country like you said you have areas in mind you want to find sheep have you because obviously areas of the frank can be brutal uh terrain wise and finding campsites has that been something you're predetermining like along with your glassing points or what's that look like for you Mm, i don't have any boots on the ground there yet so that like my first hunting trip in there i'll be solo and i'm really like approaching like a death hike like i'm just gonna cover country and just move right like just yeah i've got like four or five spots i want to move out it's like a 50-ish mile loop that i want to do and i'm just gonna really like scout and and then the benefit of having a gun on my back in case I do stumble on a sheep, but really treating that first trip like a scouting trip, find the areas that I, you know, okay, this looks good. This looks sheepy. I see sheep tracks here, a lot of sheep sign. Um, and then come, if I'm you know, not picking up the sheep on that trip, then the second trip in would be more like, okay, here's spot A. I'm going to go spend three days on this glassing knob, looking at that exact spot. Uh, don't see anything, then, then move to spot B and C and so on. So. Um, but yeah, just definitely plan to baby sack and tarp so long as the weather allows it and cover country and be flexible. Cool. Let's come quick. Jake, you'll be antelope hunting next week. Good luck. Uh, we'll have to hear some stories and hopefully share some photos from that. Uh, listeners, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you have any questions for us, don't hesitate to reach out. Just send an email to podcast at xmongear.com. Once again, hope you guys have been enjoying the recent series and there's definitely more podcasts to come. So hopefully that'll help you on your hunts. And uh, even if you don't have a question for the show, but you got a cool story or some photos, things like that to share from upcoming hunts, feel free to reach out and uh, share that with us. We'd love to hear about it and see it. So we'll talk to you soon.